Good morning, First Church. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. We are excited to <clears throat> to be here with you um, and to just worship and uh, have a time that we can set aside right now and um, just make this about uh, connecting with the Lord and uh, spending some time with Him and together, even though we're not together physically. Um, before we get into some worship, we're just going to say a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, this day that you've given us, Lord, <clears throat> we thank you that we are able to gather together, even if not physically, Lord, but together um, with the technology that we have at our disposal in this day and age, Lord. Um, we're thankful that we can um, have a service, Lord, where we can worship together and um, get into the word, Lord. Uh, we ask that um, above all, Lord, today that you would be glorified, Lord, that your will would be done. Um, Lord, we ask that during this time we would just um, be able to um, focus on you, uh, to just open our hearts, Lord, to um, to just communicate to you, Lord, what we're feeling, Lord, our, our love for you, Lord, our praise, Lord. Um, we just want to worship you with everything that we have, Lord, this morning, and um, you deserve it, God. And so we just ask that um, you um, would just allow us to do that this morning, Lord, with everything. Um, we love you, and we just thank you for this time. Amen. Stand by.
We'll go where you shine, break the dawn, crack the skies, make the way bright before me in your light. I will find all I need, all I need is you. Yeah, light, glorious light. I will go where you shine, break the dawn, crack the skies, make the way bright before me in your light. I will find all I need, all I need is you. Oh, oh, how I need you. Oh, how I need you. Oh, how I need you. Oh, how I need you.
Still you 
together, God. We ask that um, you would continue to leave our hearts open, Lord, and ready to receive from you as Bob comes and shares today, Lord. We love you and we thank you for this time. Amen. So right now we're going to take a short break so we can rearrange the stage, um, and then in just a few minutes, Bob will come up and uh, share a word with us this morning. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome back. Glad to have you with us. I want to talk a little bit today. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a passage, and if you want to turn there, it's in Matthew 7, 24 to 27. I'm not going to read from it yet, but we're, we're going to be looking at it, and it's this idea. We're going to be talking about the key to wisdom, building on the rock. But before I do that, I want to say I've been getting a lot of feedback. I really appreciate all the feedback that I've been getting. Most of it has to been to do with the coffee cup that I'm drinking out of, so I don't appreciate that as much. But today... We have a coffee cup that's from Arizona, so I just wanted to let some of our Arizona friends see that. Grand Canyon National Park, and at the top it says, Boyfriend. And the fact that this cup has been given to our church, I think, does not bode well for that relationship that it was bought for, but we'll not worry about that. So, here we are. We're living in a time where we need wisdom. How do I live for Jesus in this time? How do I grow in this time? How do I serve in this time? What can I do? Because I know what can happen in a time like this, sometimes you feel like your days, your weeks are just going by and you're not doing anything because things are so unstructured and life makes it more difficult that way. And so we're going to be talking about this, this wisdom, the key, the key to wisdom is how we build. And at the end of the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached, he told one final little story, one little parable, and we're going to look at it, and it's talking about wisdom. So he's talking about, therefore... Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Uh, stop right there. We'll, 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 I'll keep going. 
Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, before we um, start talking about this, I want to test your knowledge on American literature. We have a lot of CNU students that come. We have a lot of English. We have English teachers that come to our church. So let's talk about American literature for just a moment as an illustration. And probably there's a famous story in American literature that's very similar to this story. It, it, in the other story, the characters are builders, just like in this story. They each construct a house. There are three houses. There's a contrast between wise and foolish building. Every house faces a test. And if the house, the house that's built wisely stands and the houses that are built foolishly, they fall. Anybody recognize this story? I'll tell you what it is. The name of this story, this is how I learned it, is the diminutive, diminutive Suscrofa triplets, which you would probably know as the three little pigs, right? I'm hoping that everybody kind of got that because this is a very literate congregation. But every little pig builds a house and every house faces a trial, the big bad wolf. And one day the big bad wolf comes and he says, little pig, little pig, let me come in. And the little pig says, not by the hair of my, right? Great, you said it. I bet, Jose, that I could get hundreds of people in their own homes to say chinny, chin, chin. So thank you for doing that. So, so here we are. We're looking at this, this literature. I mean, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. this is real literature that we're talking about right here. Two of the pigs build their houses out of junk, maybe because it's easier, maybe because it's cheaper. And they never stop to ask the important questions. The important question is, will it face the wolf? Will it stand up to the wolf test? And one little pig builds his house wisely, and it lasts. And so there's something about, you know, in us, this idea of house building, something about that metaphor in our lives, home, that runs deep. And Jesus is telling a story here of house building. It's one of those stories that has two things side by side, and when you get a parable like this, the, the, the best way to do is to look at it. You see all the things that are similar, and then you look for the variable. The variable is the key to the story. When you find that variable, now you've found out the point that Jesus is trying to make. You can find out what he's after. So we're going to walk through this for just a few minutes. The first thing I want you to see is that, yes, we are all house builders, the first detail in this story, in uh, Jesus' story, is that each person builds a house. And the details don't vary. It's not optional. They, they, they both, it doesn't show that each ho any house is any different from the other. And so to understand what Jesus is trying to teach us, you've got to replace the word house with the word character or soul or life. Because Jesus is saying you're constructing a life, an eternal soul, and the foundation that you build it on are the choices that you make, right? And so he says, the, we got these two people, one builds on the rock, one builds on the sand. So now we're finding the variables. One's on rock, one's on sand. Now let me say this real quick, just so we understand this, with the house built on the sand. This is not like a house built at the beach, right? Because, because they didn't, where Jesus was and where they were, they, the beaches weren't that close. It wasn't something they did. The idea there is, throughout Israel and throughout the Middle East, there are places they call them wadis. It's places where water will run if it rains high up in the mountains. Now, sometimes in those areas, it doesn't rain for 10 years, sometimes even longer. And so <clears throat> where the water runs, 
is, is, will be a flat surface and it will be very sandy because all the sand washes down the wadi into the flat areas. Perfect places to build a house, except that every so often a flood comes. Every so often there's a flash flood. Not very often, just every so often. And so if you build a house, you know, we, and we don't, this doesn't give us a time frame. They may have built their houses and it may have been 10 years later, 15 years later. But one man was wise and one man was foolish because of where they chose to build their house. And so each person builds. They're the same houses. Each person is working on their soul, on their character. And what does matter about your soul is you're constructing it every day, good or bad, deliberately or casually, wise choices or foolish choices. You are constructing your life. You're working on your soul. Every time you choose, you're building an eternal house, and it's going to last forever. And the problem is we are like little piggies that make foolish choices. We all do this, hopefully if we're honest. Sometimes it's good for us to rehearse some of these things so we think it through and remember where we all stand. But if you've ever made a commitment that you wish you didn't make, that's a foolish choice. If you ever said something that you regretted bitterly later, that's a foolish choice. If you ever, if you ever involved in a relationship who was not, uh, with a person that was not a model of a healthy relationship, you, you made a foolish choice. Now, don't look around in your room right now. Okay, that's not the time for this. If you ever made an impulsive buy that you later came to regret, that's a foolish choice. We've made foolish choices in our lives with time, with money, with behavior, with vocation, with parenting, with friendship, whatever it is, and with our spiritual life. We can be foolish, just like in this story. And so we, we, we have to stop. We have to be honest. We have to look at ourselves and think, okay, I have made foolish choices. I need to make wise choices because I'm building a house. I'm building an eternal house. I'm building my soul. I'm building my life. And God is very interested in the house you're building. He's very interested in the life you're building. In fact, he talks about this in another passage in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work and what they have done, built, survives, it, they will receive their reward. If it's burned up, they will suffer loss and he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flame. See, he's talking, Paul's taking that metaphor that Jesus used and he's building on it. He's saying all the individual pieces of the house are part of that. We are responsible for our house, for our character, for our soul. Whether we like it or not, it's not an option in this story by Jesus. Now, sometimes people do very goofy things with houses. You can go to San Jose, California, and there is a house that has been preserved. It's called the Winchester Mystery House. Um, the original owner, it was a very small house to begin with, was Winchester and his wife and the famous man who's you know, made millions off of rifles. He died and, and, his, and their son died and she was left alone. And she became very obsessed and fearful of death. And so what she did is she started adding on to the house in weird ways. Like she would make a stairway, go up and there'd be a door. And when you open the door, it'd be a brick wall. Because what she believed is she believed death was stalking her family. And she believed that if I, made, if I keep building and make it confusing, death will get confused when it comes for me and I won't die. 
And so she had stairways. The door went, and she had some, the stairways, the door would open, and it would, it would just open into the attic. Uh, she had some doors that, that wouldn't open. She did all these different things. She just kept adding and adding and adding and accumulating all this stuff. She planned way out in advance to be building for 50, 60 years. And then one day death came, and death did not get confused, and she died. And she had put all this hope into her house and what she was building there. And she finally came to realize it didn't matter. It didn't matter. What mattered was all the work she did. Was it for good or, or for, for worthless? You know, we have in our part of the world a lot of impressive houses. And people can get all wrapped up in their houses. But there will be a day when the house will mean nothing. If it's really impressive, like the Winchester house, it will be a place where people come to look and to gawk and to wonder why this woman did what she did. But we're this way. We put a lot of stock in these things. We're all building houses. We're all building this life. And whether we want to or not, whether we're doing it badly or whether we're doing it well, we're builders. And so as we look at, the, at that Matthew passage, one of the things that we see there is, is Jesus describes the two storms, the one that comes to the house on the rock and the one that comes to the house on the sand. And they're identical. They're identical storms because he wants to make it clear. This is not a story about building a house where there are no storms. You know, this, this is not trying to escape from storms. They're just a part of life. And everywhere you go, there are these types of things. I once met a girl from Kansas, um, and, and uh, she, we were talking, and, she's, and, and I, she told me she's from Kansas. And I thought, wow, let me just say this. If you're from Kansas, please forgive me. I mean no harm. I'm only speaking God's truth in this matter. So she loved Kansas, and one time she came to visit Virginia, and she told me she visited Charlottesville, Virginia. I said, oh, that's a beautiful area. What did you think? And she said, all those mountains block your view. I didn't like it at all. And I thought, this is an incredible thing. And then she said, and you have hurricanes. I hate hurricanes. So I said to her, I said, first problem is you have tornadoes in Kansas. With hurricanes, we get about a week. You get like 15 minutes. So you have tornadoes in Kansas. But the second thing to me that's even the bigger problem is you still live in Kansas. I just don't think there's a comparison there. See, so Jesus is telling us a story here that we don't necessarily want him to tell. He's not telling a story about a life, about a house, where the storm never comes. You know, because I know for some people, what they try to do is they try to storm-proof their lives. And, and maybe, maybe you're like that. People who think, I'm smart enough. I can storm-proof. I'm rich enough. I can storm-proof. I have enough resources. I'm successful enough. I can engineer a storm-free life. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't. You can't do it. In fact, this is, is his uh, prediction. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? I mean, think about that. Why don't worry about tomorrow? Because everything's going to be great tomorrow. The weather's going to be good. It's going to be sunny tomorrow. No, he says tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, Jesus is giving us a little bit of a weather forecast for our lives here. Today, there's going to be trouble, and tomorrow, there's going to be trouble. That's the way it is. That's the way life is. This is the world we live in. We live in a world where sin has created incredible problems and diseases and evil and trouble is a part of life. And we've all seen it. 
We've all had storms. Now, some storms are different in scope and intensity, but we've all had them. It's the way it is. And we live in a part of the world where there's people who are thinking they can get away from that, but you can't. You can't engineer a storm-free life. And so I want you to see something. We are all house builders. Every house faces a storm. And so, third point, what really matters then? Uh, N.T. Wright, who is a New Testament scholar, he writes about this. He says in Jesus' day, the, uh, the, uh, in, it, working in the Old Testament system, they, everybody knew where they had to go. They had to go to Jerusalem to the Temple Mount, or it was called the Temple Rock. In fact, it was known as the house on the rock because it was on the, the spine of a mountain spur, and so it was built on solid rock. And so it was called the house on the rock. And so when Jesus says here, he says, no, the house on the rock is going to be this new community of people who build their lives on my words. What a staggering claim. What an audacious claim. He's saying the new rock is my words, my teaching, my life. And their immediate reaction in Matthew 7 when he's saying this is when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now, what are they talking about there? Well, we've, we've talked about this before, but this, the, the, old, the Hebrew word for authority is this word shmiha. It's translated authority. It literally means uh, dedication. Uh, but it means someone who's been dedicated so that they can teach with authority. Back in those days, and even in our days, uh, rabbis would oftentimes, people would ask them a question, and what they would do is they would quote what authorities said because they didn't have the authority to tell you what to do. And so they would say, Rabbi Hillel says in this sort of situation, da-da-da-da-da. Rabbi uh, Gamaliel says in this situation, this is what you should do. And, you know, they use the scriptures that go with it. But what do they do? They quote authorities because they don't have the authority to tell you what to, what to do. And Jesus here, in fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount, if you think about that, what is he teaching? He says, you have heard it said, but I tell you this. You have heard it said, but I say this. What is he doing? He's teaching with authority, and they are amazed, because who is he? They don't know who he is. He's not this famous rabbi that they've heard of. They're beginning to hear about him because he's becoming famous, but they're amazed at his authority. In fact, when Jesus was teaching in the temple, what, what did the, the temple priests come and say to him? They said, by whose authority are you saying this? They're saying, who are you quoting here? You don't have this kind of authority. You are acting like you have it. Jesus is acting like he has this shmiha, this authority to speak so that people will listen. They're saying to him, when they ask him by whose authority, they're saying, what's your resume? Who dedicated you? Now, that's an interesting thought when we think about who dedicated Jesus to be a rabbi who could speak with authority. Now, Jesus is God. He doesn't have to be dedicated. He doesn't have to have anything like that. But usually it took three people, three people who were known to be authorities to dedicate someone else to be able to speak with authority. And that takes us back to when Jesus was baptized. What happened? First of all, John, who, John, who was a uh, son of a priest, he was involved in priestly duties, no doubt, much of, which involved, much of which involved determining which lambs 
could be sacrificed, which lambs were considered clean enough to sacrifice. And what did John say when he saw Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He pronounced his blessing, in a sense, upon Jesus. And then what happens? Jesus is baptized and the Spirit descends. There's a blessing. And then the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. He, then the Father descends. We have three known authorities establishing the fact that Jesus now speaks with authority. He didn't have to do that. But I think he did that so that he would be able and would be able to point to something. And so he's, he's speaking with authority. He's telling them, you've got to build your life on something. I'm standing here today and I'm telling you, you're building your life on something. You've got to make somebody or something your authority in your life. Jesus says, if you do that for me, if you become my child, if you walk in my footsteps, if you live for me, if you try to understand what I say, if you say, I'm gonna, Jesus, I'm going to do with my time, with my money, with my relationships, with my values, I want them to reflect you. And then when a storm hits, you might be hanging on by your fingertips, but the point is you're hanging on because you have something to hang on to. You have Jesus. You have that foundation. If you build your life on anything else, and you can build your life on anything, you're building it on sand. And one day a storm is going to come, and you may have an incredibly impressive-looking life, but it will get blown away. Now, the obvious question when you hear the story that Jesus tells, the obvious question when, when you see this man who built his house on the sand, the question is, it's a question that's been used in time immemorial. It's part of the human condition. The question is the question that parents ask their children all the time. It's three little letters. Why? Why did you do this? It's a search for meaning and rationality where no meaning and no rational thought exists. Why did you do this? Why did you stick that pee up your brother's nose? Why did you throw that at your brother when you knew he was standing in front of a plate glass window? Why did you do that? I know at least one of my brothers is watching this morning, and these I know ring a bell. And kids always give the same answer. They always give the same answer, right? Three words, I don't know. Of course they don't know. Because if they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it in the first place. They just say, I don't know. We ask, why, why, why? We ask the man who built on the sand, why? I don't know. If you ask him, foolish man, you have one life, only one life, and then you're going to die, and a storm is going to come someday. Why did you build your one and only life on sand? Seemed like a good idea at the time. No architect says, hey, look, here's some sand. This is a place where a flash flood comes every 5 to 10 to 15 years. Let's build it here. No one plans that. You know, I feel like this, this foolish man who built on the sand, right before he built his house, he said, hey, hey, hold my beer, right? He just did it, and it's stupid. We look back and we think, why did you do that? But no one plans that. No one plans to live a mediocre life. No human being walks into a bar and says, I think I want to be an alcoholic. No little girl growing up says, my dream is to be a prostitute. No couple getting married sits down and says, let's plan on ending up in court. 
No parent ever has a child and says, I think I'm going to get so busy and so wrapped up in my career and I'm going to be gone so much that my children won't know me and they will carry a hole in their life for as long as they live. Nobody nurses a grudge and then says to themselves, I think I'm going to shoot for being bitter, angry, resentful, old person when I die. That's my dream. No one says that. Jesus sets forth a choice, and he sets it forth for you and me. He says, we're all house builders. We're all storm facers. He says, are you going to build your house on the rock, or are you going to build your house on the sand? Are you going to say, yes, Jesus, you're my authority. You're my cornerstone. In 1 Peter 2, Peter gets into this about cornerstone. He talks about Jesus being this cornerstone, this cornerstone that's, that's rejected, but it's, it becomes the living stone. And what is a cornerstone? It's that stone that's first laid, and the whole building gets its dimensions off of that one stone. And he says, I want to be your cornerstone. When you lay the cornerstone, it's to ensure that the walls don't drift offline. And, the, and compromise the, the, the building. And that drift can be so insidious. So he has to be the cornerstone that we adhere to. And we have to finally come to a point in our life where we say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to let you be in control of this. I'm going to sign it over to you. I want my house built on the rock. I want it to be your house. I want it to be your life. Because this is what the wise man said. Wise man said, ah, that's what I want in my life. And what, that's what it means. This is what it means to make Jesus your cornerstone, to be, make him your foundation. Saying, I will obey your teaching, Lord. I'm going to try to put your words into practice. Because that's what it means to love God, to do what God says. We have so many people that believe in God. But the problem is we have to believe God. And to love him is to act. And he promises us that's what will happen when we act, when we love, when we serve. The foundation becomes strong. And so he's telling it, listen, this might be the time for you. Say, I'm going to do that. You, you may be saying, okay, Bob, I, I've done that. I'm trying to follow Jesus. Okay, this may be a good time to stop and think. Will you keep working at it? Will you try? Will you work at not growing tired, not growing distracted? We know how that, that I was mentioning that when we have a cornerstone, that the drift can be so insidious on a wall. Uh, one time, I, I one summer I helped on a construction crew, and they were laying the wall for a huge building. And after they'd laid about three layers of the block, uh, the master builder, the man in charge, came up and he said, "No, it, it's too far off. Tear it down. Start over. Redo that wall because it has to be perfect." because it's the integrity of the whole building rests on coming off of that cornerstone. For each one of us, you know, there may be a storm in your life right now. I don't know. There may be a job problem. There's people struggling right now. It may be a struggle in a marriage. It may be a divorce that you've been through. Maybe you're wrestling with emotions. Maybe you have a child that you love so much who's gone in the wrong direction and you wish you could fix it, but you can't. Maybe somebody rejected you and your heart is bleeding and you're facing a terrible uncertainty, storms come for all of us one day. And then the question is, what is your house built on? You can't wait for the storm to happen to decide what to build your house on. It has to be done ahead of time. We have to decide to be wise builders. We have to be people who will follow and obey. In that passage, 
What does Jesus say? He says the differences are this. One man builds on on sand. One man builds on the rock. And the differences are based on one man hears, but one man hears and obeys. And that's the difference. We hear a lot, but what do we put into action? And so we think, how do we build? How does this happen in our lives? There's... as many people who are listening, there's that many different ways. Right now, just even for me, spending time in the last few weeks praying, God, how do you, what do you want me to do? How do you want to use me? Things are so different now. Ministry is different now. Lives are different now. Homes are different now. How do I react in response to this? How can I continue to serve? How can I continue to learn? Uh, spending time in prayer. How can I seek you, God? And then how can I listen? And I encourage you to be applying yourself to that, seeking and listening, spending time in prayer. You know, as we close, I, I, I want to say that we've, we've, we have really gotten some wonderful response from people talking about what God is doing in their lives, and it's thrilling to see things that are happening. And we, wanna, we want you to let us know when the good things or the bad things. We want to know prayer requests. We want to know needs. We've already been involved in meeting some needs, delivering groceries, delivering medicine to people who need medicine. We would love to know that. I would encourage you to go to our website, fcministries.com, and you will see all kinds of things, ways you can help, ways you can get involved, you know, all, all different kinds of things. And then all the resources that we have. Um, Bill Cumby has been uh, doing a series on Ephesians. And then we have uh, the short little things that I do, not a message, just a thought. And then our, the sermons are up there. And then on Wednesday nights, we, we prayer stream a little a prayer chat, just a time where we look at some scriptures together and pray together. We encourage you to be involved in those things, to take the opportunities that you have to uh, worship to learn, to grow, to seek God's face and see what he does. And then be asking him, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? Look around your house, at your family. Look around your neighborhood. Think of the people that you know, people you know from this church. We encourage you to keep in touch with people. This is what we need now when we're all forced to be alone so much. So we encourage you to do that. Thanks for tuning in with us. Thanks for being a part of this. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll be done. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the words of Jesus, our rabbi who speaks with such authority. Lord, help us to be listeners and doers, not listeners only. And in doing that, we build our life on the foundation, the cornerstone that makes all the difference. And so, Lord, we thank you right now. We thank you that we can do this together. We thank you that your word is true. So, Father, we pray that as we learn together, as we grow together, we would now put these things into action in our lives and we would be salt and light to the people around us. And we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today.